We started last week uh, our new sermon series entitled Detox. You might say, Pastor, what do I need a detox from? That's a good question. In fact, the definition of detox is a regimen or treatment intended to remove toxins and impurities. Impurities from what? From your body, from your soul, from your spirit? Well, we're going to be talking about all of those things as we go through our sermon series. But I think that's important to know what are we detoxing from? You know, I'm about to be 50 years old. I know that's hard to believe. I know, I know. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what. In first service, I, I told Dimitri, who was sitting right over here, one of my good friends, he, I said, Dimitri, um, I should have listened to you. A year and a half ago, you told me, Pastor, you're going to come up on your 50th birthday. When I came up on my 50th, I wanted to be in the best shape of my life. Is round a shape, I said. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. I did not say that. I said, yeah, you know, I'm still a year and a half off. And so, like most people, we tend to what? Procrastinate. And I figured, well, I've got time. Now the year has gone by and I just have the half. And it's go time. I got no more time to waste. It's like go time now. So I'm going for it. And I started researching. I started realizing how little I really know about being in shape. And not only that, but how, how many things I thought I knew that I didn't know right. Some of the things that I thought I was doing right are actually wrong and were working against me. Come on, anyone? I mean, the shock and awe when I found out the food pyramid was a lie. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? You know? And, uh, and so sometimes before you can run off and detox, you got you to gotta have to know Maybe some of the things that, that you need to learn. And then you got to get rid of some of the things that you learned and you learned them wrong. And for Christians, I think sometimes we're not reaching that, that level of fulfillment, that, that, that place of real peace, because we're, we're not operating according to God's truth. That means we don't know some things. And some of the things that we do know, we just learned them wrong. We had maybe an overemphasis of certain things in our lives. And now we're in a point where we're like, oh man, I don't know how to, how to live at that higher level. We said last week that, you know, when you get to that level, you start to realize, I didn't know I felt that bad. You know, people who get healthy say that all the time. They say, I had no idea I could feel this good. I thought walking around feeling lousy was the way you were supposed to live. Come on, Christians, I want to let you know, walking around feeling lousy in your spiritual soul is not the way you're supposed to live. Walking around feeling amazing, at peace, full of joy, full of the spirit of life is the way you're supposed to live. And so we want to talk about this. And we've said that the body, I mean, the, the, the human being is made up of body, soul, and spirit. Spirit after you've been made alive in Christ. If you have not been made alive in Christ, then your spirit is dead. We'll talk more about this in a second. And our, our focal passage from last week was in Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace, and he emphasizes peace a lot because God is a God of peace and he wants peace to characterize your life. If you're here today and you don't feel peace, then, 
then reach out by faith to the loving hand of Jesus Christ who wants to fill your life with peace. Now, there might be some things you need to change, but he'll help you do it. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Watch. He wants to take you and make you something special. Oh, put you outside of the world's influence and, 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 and have you, I wouldn't say outside of its influence, but outside of being affected by its influence, I should say. And he wants you to be whole in the spirit, in the soul, and the body that he might present you blameless at his second coming. Now, some of us read that passage and we don't truly believe that could be us. And I think that's one of the things that we have to let go of, some things that we've learned wrong, where we say, well, we're just, we're, we're just always going to struggle with sin and this is as good as it gets. I'm never going to be totally in shape. I'm never going to be totally healthy when it comes to my soul and my spirit. I'm just, this is just part of life. And so it reminds me of, of this weekend. I spent some time planting. Every weekend I try to get about an hour to do some planting. Some of you are going, what are you talking about, pastor? I didn't know a guy like you was into plants. Here's some of my plants. Pastor Melissa and I do them together. I do most of the planting, let's just be honest. <laughs> she's like, she's looking at me like, I'm like, uh, but, but most of these we do together. And, uh, and so I spent some time in. How many of you know that the older you get, the more you start acting like your, your parents? Like that, that progressive commercial is so true. It's so true. You start saying things and doing things. And my dad was always into planning. And I'm like, I don't got time for that. Now I don't have time not to do it because it's relaxing. It's detoxing. It puts you in a place of peace. And it gives you a connection to something pure and good that grows. And so as I start to plant, these are some more of my plants. I want you to look at the other. Uh, this is my favorite. Go back. That's my favorite, my string of hearts that's hanging there. But then go back to the other one. There's a small little tree down here. It's called a variegated triangle ficus fig. And it's little bitty, and I was planting it. I just want to plant it in the big pot. I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to plant it in the big pot. And my son's going, why would you plant it in the big pot, Dad? I said, because this guy might be little. And I bought him little because to buy him big would be too expensive. You know what I mean? Like, they start charging you by the inch. I mean, it's crazy. But I said, this guy could get bigger than me. He's huge. And, and, and someday he's going to be that. And my son looks at me. I'll never forget. He, he looks at me like this. He goes. He looked right in my eyes, and then he looked down at the little guy. He goes like, him? Some of you do that when Jesus says, I'm going to plant you right because someday you're going to be amazing. And you go, me? And that's part of the thing that I feel like you got to let go of today. Believing that, that greatness in a full life and a wonderful, beautiful life is for the pastor, for your grandparents, or for somebody else, but, but not me. This is as good as it gets. I want to tell you, God has something amazing for you. And he wants to put you in a big pot so that you can grow and thrive and live up to your full, full potential. But you've got to believe him for it. You've got to know 
how to deal with the three, the, 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 the unholy trinity, so to speak here. The, 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 the three things that really get at you to steal from you God's promise. It's your flesh, the world, and the evil one. Do you know that the Bible talks about each one of these? In fact, in last week's, uh, one of last week's focal passages, we see all three represented. Read with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Now notice, he highlights the first one for you there, world. And he says, you used to walk in sin. That's the way you used to be. That's the what? Old you. Come on, someone needs to receive that today. That's not me anymore. I don't walk in sin. I am called to walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if that's what God has set me free for and paid this high price for me, then I receive it in faith. And today I say, Lord, the old me is gone and the new me now lives in you. I receive it. End of story. It's a done deal. I'm cutting ties. Because some of us still hold on. Well, that's, that's kind of who I am. No, that's not who you are. If you be in Christ, you are a new creation. But I want to ask you, what world is he talking about here? Just just think about that. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the evil one, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once were in that group, he says, conducting ourselves by the lust of our flesh. So there it is. He talks about all three there. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, come on now. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. Now, I want you to understand something. If you are not a Christian and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you say, I've said a prayer. Prayers don't, that, let me say it this way. Reciting words, let me be clear. Reciting words don't, won't save you. The Bible is very, very clear. You are saved by faith. I think we should spend more time asking ourselves, what is real faith? The kind of faith that when you believe, you know I'll never be the same because I know that God is real and I can never take him just casually or like a fake God. And because he's so real, I know, I know that every word he says is true. Because he's real and he doesn't sin. And because he doesn't sin and he doesn't change. And because he is who he says he is. then if he says he's coming back, guess what? He's coming back. And if he's coming back for me, then, then how should that affect the way I live? Oh God, no. 
No more. I'm not, I'm not playing anymore. I'm not going to half step it. I'm not going to be one, one foot in, one foot out. I'm all in. Why? Because I believe now. I believe. I once didn't believe. I once kind of knew about you and, and thought you were cute and fun. And wouldn't it be cool to like rub you the right way and you give me what I want? But now I know you're not a genie in a bottle. Now I know you're the great God of glory. You're the ancient of days, the one who spoke and stars leapt into existence. And now that I see that, I'll never be the same. I can no longer just do what is casually okay for me. I've got to serve you, Lord. I may not always do it perfectly, but an attitude has changed in me that I can never go back. That's saving faith. But, but let me, let me, I digress. Keep, keep, stay with me on this. The world, the prince of the air, that's the evil one and the lust of the flesh. But let's, let's break them down. The evil one, that's easy. We know that's Satan. But what is the world? What is the world? There you go, the system of the world. In first service, they said, well, the world. And I said, you mean like God so loved the world that he gave his son for the world? Is this the world we're talking about? Or God made the world? No, we're talking about the evil system that Satan has in place and he uses the evil desires that we have in place inside of us to what? To create this evil system that further perpetuates the evil desires in us and it's a cycle that once you get in, it leads to full destruction. Full destruction. And so this is what Paul is talking about. And you say, well, what is the flesh? Because it seems like the flesh is what makes us part of the world. And then once we all become part of the world, it's that world that exasperates the flesh more and more and more. Right? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And the flesh is that, that fallen nature that comes natural to us because we were born into sin. That means your parents were sinners. Their parents were sinners. My parents were sinners. My grandparents and on down the road. We were all born in sin. And so we have, I like the way Vodi Bauckham puts it. That's not a cute little baby. That's a viper in a diaper. <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, it didn't take them long to start stiffening up and screaming and at the top of their lungs and just making everyone's life miserable when they need something. And it's going to be their way. Oh, any, for any first-time parents, you know right away, oh, they're so cute and cuddly and lovable. And while they can barely hold their head up, they're still running things, aren't they? They run the show. Why? Because the flesh is strong. And so I want to show you something. The flesh, I put over here where the body is. Why did I put it over there? Because at the end of the day, Sarxus is the Greek word for flesh, and it literally means just body, flesh and blood. And you can see Paul use it in this way. Watch what Paul says. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live now in the flesh, in the body, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between two decisions. Having a desire to depart... And be with Christ, which is far better than hanging out with you guys, he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying, nevertheless, I will remain in the what? In the flesh. I will stay in the body because I need, I need a human body to participate in this human 
experiment we're doing, this human thing that we're doing in the material world. But I'd rather what? Be gone and go with Christ. Now, here he's just talking about the body. It's not a bad thing. But watch the way he changes gears and he goes and explains that there's a different kind of flesh, a flesh versus flesh. Now, I put this flesh closer over here to the soul because this flesh is not just material. It's more of the attitude and the, and the evil spiritual nature that we have when the spirit died in Adam in the garden. Watch. Watch what Paul does. You say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Remember? God said, you will surely die. Now, I'll talk about that surely die in a second to Adam. Both he and Eve ate. They did die. They died spiritually first. And now, because Adam died spiritually, we are all born spiritually dead. Isn't that what Paul just told us? You were all spiritually dead before Christ in his goodness made you alive. Made you alive. And so if you're not a Christian, you have this spiritual dead nature that desires the things that are already gone. They're going to be, they're, they're, they're gone. This world, Jesus said, is passing away and everything in it will go with it. And so this is why the Bible talks like this. Wait, but we're alive. You're already dead. You're on death row. You just don't know it. You say, no, no, I'm alive in Christ. If you're alive in Christ, then live towards the Spirit. Because you've been made alive in Christ. Don't go back and live with this evil nature. Make your soul. Your soul is your mind, your conscience, your decision-making, your will. Make, have it go towards the Spirit and experience this beautiful life rather than going back. Going back to your old way. Watch what he says is this flesh, this evil, sinful nature. Watch what he says. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation of the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, there's some people telling you that you've got to circumcise yourself in order to be saved. Circumcision won't save you. Salvation is not an act of the what? Of the outward. That was, that's what was wrong with the Pharisees. They were all about what they did outwardly. Jesus said salvation takes place inwardly and then it flows outwardly. You can't do it in reverse. You can't start outwardly hoping it will go inwardly. If you start outwardly, all it does is puff you up. And this is what, what happens here. Watch. This is what he says. Have no confidence in the flesh. Though I, watch how he switches gears here. I, though I, where am I at? Uh, here, also might have confidence in the flesh. If any one of you thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, I have more reason. I have more reason. Watch this. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law. I was blameless. What is he doing? He's giving you his pedigree. He's giving you his accolades. He's giving you that which he put confidence in. Notice, it's flesh. Why is it flesh? Because it's all about him. Notice. Come on, what did you put confidence in? Oh, my, my job. 
the money I had in the bank, my position at work, my children. Look at my children. Look what I did. What else did you put confidence in? Look at my strength. I go in there and I pump weight. I'm accomplished in martial arts. I'm this, I'm that. I mean, what do you put confidence in? That's flesh. Why? Because it stirs up your ego. The ego. That psyche, that that part of your psyche, of your soul that says, I need to matter. Guess what? You matter to Christ. That's the most important thing. But when you try to matter in a worldly sense, in the system that the enemy has created, he's got you by your nose. Watch. Watch what he does. Watch what Paul does. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, I once thought I was gaining in this system. These I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The Greek word is more like poop, dung, crap. Let's just put it in our modern vernacular. I count it as nothing. Come on, can anyone hear me here? What is Paul saying? I used to live about what was in it for me and how I thought I could matter in this world. Now I realize I need to die to myself because now it's not about living for this world. It's about living for Christ. And now that I've found Christ, I know that he's opening up a whole new reality. I've left the matrix. That's what he's saying. I no longer live the way I used to live. Watch, watch, keep reading and be found in him, uh, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is what from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. This is the awesome passage where he goes on to say this one thing I do. I leave everything behind and I strain towards what is ahead that I may be, that I may be found in Christ, righteous in Christ. Notice what he's saying. It used to be about all these things. Now I know it's about one thing, my relationship with him. If I seek ye first the kingdom of God, he gives me everything else I need. You go, pastor, are you sure? This is exactly why the Bible says in the book of Genesis that Adam died and we live according to our father, Adam, if we're not saved. That's our, that's our default position. Our default position is to be dead, dead. Now, I love the way the, uh, the New Testament uh, translators interpreted this. They said, well, we can't write dead, dead because you can't be more dead than dead. Right? Because in the Hebrew, it says you will be dead, dead. You will die, die. Well, how can you die, die, Jason? I mean, think about it. So he said, well, you will surely die. Because what, what the Bible's trying to do is emphasize that you're going to die. But what if God really meant what he meant? You're going to die, die. You're going to die spiritually, and then you're going to die physically too. Ooh. Isn't that what happened? In the Hebrew, it says you will die, die. Adam did, in fact, die, die. He died, what, spiritually first, and then he died physically hundreds of years later. Now let's talk about another thing. 
the flesh, now that we know the flesh has two meanings, the body and the sinful nature in which our soul has to decide, am I going to make decisions based on the sinful nature? Remember, the soul is your will. There's other things there. There's your emotions, there's your will, it's your intellect. It's all the things we listed last week and, and, and then some. But your will can either go towards the flesh or it can go towards the spirit. But before we put spirit here, let's put law. Now, Lotus, I put law in place of the spirit. You go, pastor, the, the law is not spiritual. Come on, how many of you think the law is not spiritual? Raise your hand if you think the law is not spiritual. You already know me. How many of you think the law is not good? How many of you think the law is not righteous? Very good. Watch what Paul says. So then, the law is holy. Mm. Of course it's holy. God gave it. And God is holy. Amen? And this is why Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. I came to explain to you why the law is important because the law shows you you need a savior. Do you realize that we would get further preaching a little bit more law in our church than just, just the greasy grace that has been, um, been such a part of our normal Christian diet these days? Why? Because the law tells you, hey, this is the expectation. I can't do it in myself, but God through his spirit will get me there. Watch this. Not only is the law holy, but the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. So what is he talking about here? He's saying this. He's saying, in the same manner, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. So this is how it happens. You, there, we got to die to ourselves and come alive in the spirit. Watch, what else? Watch what else he says here. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. This is why I think I talk in terms of the law because the law shows the righteousness and holiness of God. And the righteousness and holiness of God should be important to us as, as Christians. Why? Because it's important to him. And when we live righteous and holy, something supernatural has to take place in our hearts because you can't get there in your own strength. You have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so this is what he's saying. He's saying, don't just give in to sin. Don't just give, give yourself over to sin and say, well, this is as good as I'll be. Come on, someone listen to me, please. I know there's someone in here sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm telling you, you want life? Live by the Spirit. There is a flesh, and it's strong. And Christians have been convinced that, that you know what? Oh, you're going to fall. You're going to live fleshly. But God is good. He loves you. He loves you. Yes, He loves you. And He loves you so much that He wants better for you than to live stuck in sin. Stuck in sin, feeling guilty, and walking around going, I guess this is as good as it gets. What kind of sin? 
There's all kinds of sins that the Bible talks about that the enemy will use in our lives. But watch what he says. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Okay, what does it mean to be under grace? How do I not be under the law? And I was asking the Lord this years ago, and I marked the time in my life when I was asking that with the passing of my dear friend's mother, uh, Scott Bryant lost his mother years back, and he asked me to do the funeral. And while she wasn't a member of our church, because of my love for him, no, it was Scott. It was Scott Bryant. And uh, it was in Austin, Texas. Um, I was there, and I was doing the funeral, but I had been praying in my private time about this verse, about how do I come alive and work work for the, you know, do the things that the spirit wants versus the things that the flesh wants? And how do I work out my salvation without putting the emphasis on me? And I started working through this, and I'll never forget, I was there, and I was going to the gravesite, and usually I drive my own vehicle, but for this reason, for some reason, uh, maybe I didn't have gas, maybe that was the reason, but I, I thought like God said, don't, don't drive your own vehicle, so I, I said, well, what do I do? The, uh, the limousine hearse was, was too packed. They had a lot of family. I didn't want to take somebody's spot. So I said, no, y'all go on. I was kind of standing there and a van pulls up. It was the gentleman, the young man. He's just a young man that worked for the funeral home, was taking the flowers over to the gravesite. He said, do you need a, a ride, pastor? I said, sure. So I jumped in with him and immediately he started talking to me about his, his faith. And he said, I'm really struggling. He said, the reason I'm struggling is because I know I'm a Christian, but I just don't feel joy and peace. And I'm, I get frustrated easily and things I want to do, I can't seem to do them. And, and he just starts to really, and he says, and, and you know, I'm around funerals and I just know that someday I'm going to die. And before I die, I want to live full heart for God, me full out. Come on. I knew this young man was a Christian because a Christian wants to live full out for God. You know what that is? That's the spirit of the living God saying, I have more for you. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, I have no desire to live full out for God, you're not saved more than likely because the spirit of the living God cries out for righteousness and holiness and to live at that level of freedom that you have been saved for. And so I sat there and I go, okay, I got to give this kid something good. And I'm searching my Bible because I had it in my lap and I'm going, okay, what, what do I, and I feel the Lord say, tell him about the parable, the, the, the Native American parable about the wolves. And I'm like, that's not Bible, Satan, no, I don't know if that's you or who, but, and the Lord said, no, you know my voice. It's me, tell him. I said, oh man, what kind of pastor doesn't quote scripture instead goes to a Native American parable? And so I said, okay, there's this parable. Young man has a dream. Two wolves find him in the woods. They come attack him. Just before they converge on him, they start fighting each other. And then he realizes the white wolf is, is saving him from the black wolf. And the black wolf wants to eat him. And he wakes up terrified and he tells his grandfather the dream and he asks his grandfather this question, grandfather, which of the wolves will win? Because if the black wolf wins, he's going to eat me. And the grandfather says, the black wolf is the evil nature that wants to what? Devour you. But the white wolf is the spirit of God that wants to set you free. And you go, that's not a Christian parable. I didn't think it was either. 
until with tears in his eyes, he can barely drive. He pulls his wallet out and he says, this is what my grandfather gave me before he died. And he was Indian and he became a Christian and someone gave him this parable on the back as the plan of salvation. He starts telling to me and he says, he says, son, live for Christ and let the spirit reign in your life by the decisions you make. Give the spirit control versus feeding the dark side. And I'm sitting there going, oh Lord, I had no idea. He said, yeah, but I did. I did. And so this is what I want to tell you, because if you go, I read chapter six right there of Romans, but we were in chapter seven of Romans when he said what? He said that the law is holy and spiritual. Let's go to verse, see, the law is holy and spiritual. Now let's go to verse 15 of that same chapter. Watch this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is so good. Uh, excuse me. It is, no good. it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not, what? Do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. But it is sin living in me that does it. You might say, what are you talking about, Paul? This is where I want to set some people free. Some of us have taken this verse and said, well, you know what? There's just always going to be this battle and this is as good as it gets. I want to do right, but I just can't seem to do right. And so I have to learn to live unhealthy spiritually. No, what Paul is saying, look, in you, you don't have the strength. Because in you, all you bring to the table is a sinful nature that is dominated every day by the world, the evil one, and your nature working in that triangle. But the fact that I have a desire tells me that there's something else working. What is that something else? Read it. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit of the living God. Go with me to the very next chapter. That's how he ends chapter 7. And then he goes into chapter 8 of Romans and he says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, watch this, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a what? Sin offering. And watch how he finishes. Do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, if you try to keep the law in your strength, all you're going to do is either pump yourself up in pride or you're going to tear yourself down and say, 
eh, I don't need the law. I'm just going to do whatever and this is as good as it gets. And Paul is saying, it's not about you. It's about dying to you and living by this great love that Christ made you alive in his love for you, in Christ. And now you have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome what you could never overcome in your own strength. You have it in his strength. You say, okay, pastor, but how do I stay on this side? You live by the Spirit. You live by the Spirit. You say, pastor, what do you, what do you mean I live by the Spirit? You have to let go of that old mentality. There's a little clip I want to show you. And then I'll explain it, but I want to show you this clip because it depicts how, how people used to think that only certain people get to live at that higher level. And do you realize that human nature is still the same? So many people think that only certain people get to live at that higher, more virtuous, more fulfilling level. But that's what Christ came to abolish. He came Who to has abolish claimed? This. No one has claim. All have claim. That is blasphemy. Be quiet. We defend this city, not to protect these stones, but the people living within these walls. servant of the Patreon. Hey, sir. One of my servants. Is he? You were born a servant. Neil. Every man at arms all capable of bearing them. Neil! On your knees! Be without fear in the face of your enemies. Be brave and upright that God may love you. Speak the truth, even if it leads to your death. Safeguard the helpless. That is your own. And that is so you remember it. Rise and night! Rise, a knight! Who do you think you are? You alter the world. Just making a man a knight will make him a better fighter.
with the story, you know that he wasn't noble. He wasn't born of good stock. He wasn't, he didn't, by definition, back in the day, he didn't qualify, but his father knighted him anyway. And he fought better because of it. Let me tell you something. Jesus has made a way where there seemed to be no way, and he has declared you have everything you need to live at the highest level, according to the highest order, according to the spirit of the living God. Quit living down here. Quit thinking this is as good as it gets. Quit thinking I just can't seem to do it. I just don't want, I don't know how to do it. Every time I go to do what I want to do, I can't seem to do what I want to do because there's something working in it. He says, stop thinking about you and start living for Christ. Let him live in you and through you. By his power, you're going to do it. By his power, you're going to do it. And so I want you to kneel right now. We're going to go through and slap. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Some of you are getting too serious here. But this is where we finish. I, I want you to notice what he said in the book of Romans There at the very end, he said, God did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Adam dies and the spirit in the spirit and we are born dead in the spirit right we are born dead in the spirit we need to be made alive in the spirit if we want to live if not we're already dead this is why jesus said things like i didn't come into the world to condemn the world you're already condemned it's already done if you don't know me So watch, we are soul and body, but our spirit is dead. Jesus comes in the flesh. So he has body, soul, and spirit. How do we know he has the spirit? Because the spirit gave him life. When he miraculously was conceived in the flesh. He lived his entire life by the Spirit. So Jesus shows us how to do it. Not in his flesh. And not by this world under the control of the evil one. He faces temptation. He walks and talks just like us. But he lives by the what? Spirit. And then he dies on the cross and he conquers death. How? You want to know how? Bible tells you over and over in the New Testament by the spirit of the living God. He conquered death. And then he says to his disciples last week, remember, I breathe on you this Holy Spirit so that you may live as he lived. Now notice, He didn't just show us how. He came and made a way where there seemed to be no way. 
Why was there no way? Because there was no way you could live by the Spirit if you were dead in the Spirit. You needed to have what? His Spirit. The way you receive His Spirit is through salvation. And when you are saved in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. And watch what the Bible says in the book of Romans, the very last verses. Book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 11. Read it with me. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, what? Lives in you. You want to know how to overcome this flesh? You do it in the Spirit of the living God. There's someone here that's sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's saying, I know, I know God has better for my family. He has better for me as a man. I'm not living according to this flesh anymore. This flesh doesn't leave me with confidence. It robs me of life. It robs me of my confidence. It robs me of my closeness with God. It makes me feel ashamed and guilty. And I'm done with that. I know that God has a higher order for me to live at. I know that he's put the good stuff in me. Today, right here, right now, I declare I live by the spirit of the living God. I no longer live in the way I used to live. I am a new creation. That is life in Christ. That is life in Christ. That is life in Christ. Come on, I'm ready for some men to get excited about their life in Christ. Some ladies to get excited about their life in Christ. To say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going back. Righteousness, Lord. Righteousness. Holiness. No more of this, well, I just can't seem to do it. No, you can't do it. Christ showed you the same spirit that lived in him lives in you. Next week, we're going to talk about how to get in touch with that spirit. But you need to know that you know that you know that spirit is in you. And there's no way in the world you're ever going to defeat the flesh in your strength. Father, thank you for your love and for your salvation. I've carried a by faith we receive for too long on my own. Lord Jesus to thank you for the blood that washes us white as snow I hear your in Jesus name church I love you I'll see you next week